welcome to another episode of Life After Mars, a Veronica Mars podcast. What do we do? We talk the mystery du jour, other side stories, and our favorite scenes and lines. We won't spoil you on the season-long mystery, but the mystery du jour is fair game. I'm Corey, your longtime marshmallow. I'm Sean, and I'm in puppy love with the love boat. Topical. Precious. <laughs> Today we're talking about season one, episode 19, Hot Dogs. Hot dogs. Just call her Veronica Mars' pet detective. Her search for a missing terrier uncovers a terrible operation. While elsewhere, Aaron Eccles confronts Trina's abusive asshole boyfriend, Weevil is arrested after breaking into Lily's room, and Keith wrestles with whether or not he's Veronica's father. Oh, I even forgot about that part. Yeah. <sighs> We're going a lot of places today, yeah, Marshmallows. We are. So let's go ahead and jump into that mystery du jour. Let's. Oh, wait, is that me? That is you. How many times can I make that joke? We're going to have to stop eventually. <laughs> so, I have the mystery du jour today, and I, which I am very grateful because I think this episode was about one quarter. Everything but the mystery <laughs> du jour. I have three major things to discuss. I really enjoyed the mystery du jour this week because I am dog people. And I am dog are, people, too. We are dog people here at Life After Mars. And Veronica is also dog people. Her dogs are actually in this episode. Her, like her, her like actual, real life dogs. Right, is Louie one of her dogs? Mm-mm. I, I want, which ones? Uh, we'll, we'll get to it, okay. When we get to it, I'll tell, I'll right. tell you. This is a fun piece of trivia. I did yeah. not know. All right, so our mystery du jour begins with a, uh, a girl sitting in a living room reading a Judy Bloom novel, and the girl's name is Mandy, we find out later. And she hears her dog outside barking frantically, and then eventually silence in one of those like distressed dog noises that dogs like to make. What would you call that? A yelp? It was a yelp. It was a yelp. And my heart. Yes. Falls like bottoms out every time I hear that. I've been kind of desensitized to the Yelp because my little uh, Mauser, my miniature Schnauzer Maltese mix, mm -hmm. who you met, Felix. Yes. Oh, he's so sweet. Yeah, but he's a little wiener and he yelps at the, the smallest things. Like he's a bit dramatic. So I'm a little desensitized to it. Anyway, her dog Chester has been dog napped. And this part was heartbreaking where she runs outside and her dog is, there's just the leash there. It's my worst nightmare. Yeah. So she's running around screaming, looking for Chester. It's absolutely heartbreaking. It made me choke up a little bit. Uh, assuming next day at Neptune High, Mandy looking pretty deranged at school. It uh, looks like she hasn't slept very well. Her hair is kind of everywhere. Her best friend in the world has been kidnapped. And I'm sure she's she, like in she, shock. Yeah. She hasn't grief. been sleeping. Yeah. Oh God, there. I wouldn't be. Yeah. So she's hanging up a lot dog flyers and i guess somebody taped one to her back or that accidentally got onto her back yeah or... like a kick me sign yeah so veronica goes up and helps her out in veronica fashion and says this was on your back mandy recognizes her and tries to hire her to find her dog and veronica's initial response is no i don't do lost dogs unless unless he cheated on you it's not really <laughs> my type of thing kippy cheats on me all the time she loves everyone <laughs> in the world but me her two favorite people are my father and one of my best friends, Laura's husband, Cody. She's obsessed with Cody. Cody and my dad. I can't see her being obsessed with anything except for her ball. She also likes that. But I'm talking about like <laughs> actual people. I mean, I'm the one who like loves her, feeds her, gives her the world. And she would choose my dad over me it's any okay. day. Once again, Veronica is dog people. So, of course, she's going to cave and help out Mandy in this situation. Absolutely. Fast forward Mars Investigations. Veronica and Mandy are there printing out a much nicer lost dog flyer. This is where we discover that Mandy doesn't live in the O-Niner. No. Uh, she does she's not live like in the O-Niner. She's more like an O-Tour. Uh, she was just there babysitting because I, I guess those 09ers probably shell out a little more money for the babysitting. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And she does it twice a week and they let her tie up Chester outside. Yep. It never really sat well with me that she brought her dog and not so much the chaining him out outside, but the why would you bring him if you can't like hang out? Like I love my dog and I, I bring her to work like every day, you know, but I not going to bring her to a place one where she might not be comfortable but two where I can't like be with her right have to like tie her up outside and be separate from her like that's not fun for her she'd mm -hmm. be distressed she's also a hot mess of anxiety right. but <laughs> I don't know it just for me that that's always bothered me even in 2005 when I did not own my own dog we had family dogs but like I personally didn't mm -hmm. have a dog I was like why is your dog just chained up outside while you're babysitting at somebody else's house I mean growing up my dogs lived outside we didn't have mm -hmm. inside dogs when I was a kid and they had a dog house in the back they we didn't have a fence. but this isn't her house like that's the thing like at her house probably the dog lives inside I'm sure he sleeps on her bed but I just don't understand why she would bring him to 
a place where she's babysitting anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's great that the family's like, yeah, sure, bring him. But I don't see the point in bringing him if he can't be with you inside or you be with him. Like, that's just going to stress him out, that separation. Like, I feel like he'd just be more comfortable. You know what? I'm just going down a, a rabbit <laughs> hole here. We can move on. It's okay. Man- it's just, Mandy has the best record, intentions. For the record, I don't like it. Let's move on. Got it. So they, they print out this fancy new flyer uh-huh. and they go down to the animal shelter to bring it down. And because she called the animal shelter, but Veronica's idea is if they see you and, and him together, yeah, more it's likely a, to it's putting a face to the cause. Exactly. You'll be more sympathetic. And this is where we meet JW, which his name is actually never mentioned in the episode as far as I could tell. But according to the transcript website, his name is JW. Oh, the boss. <laughs> yeah. The guy the sitting behind the, the guy sitting behind the desk. Mm-hmm. And Hans. Hans goes to high, goes to school with them, and she has a reputation. Wait, what is what is Hans say is so cool about her? Oh, because she set up cameras in the teachers' lounge, and then Mandy's like, "You have you have cameras in the teachers' lounge?" She's like, "I have no idea what he's talking about." <laughs> so like now, you just imagine. So before the the rumors about Veronica were all of these kind of like she was a slut, a and... slut, but now she's got this whole other reputation of just like all this weird. Like super spy shit that she does, and she has this reputation. I I imagine amongst the non O Niners and the the Wanda Varners and like those people, she's this like badass vigilante who's going for the justice of the lesser people by doing cool shit. Like right, okay, <laughs> she's got so much dirt on him that that they do whatever she wants now. Yeah. <laughs> Which we actually get to see in the next scene. Yes. So in the next scene, it's uh, Veronica and Mandy walking into Neptune High. And Mandy gets a call on her cell phone. And she's really excited. And she thinks that somebody's found Chester. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually get to hear what happens on the other side of the phone. No. It's a short call. It is a short call. And it, it's really heartbreaking, too. And I, I think the actress who plays Mandy did a really good job there. Yeah. Of trying to pretend like she's not upset about it. Right. Like, this is just... This is, what, this is what happened. Like, she goes from super excited, like, really excited because mm-hmm. she thinks that Chester's been found to... Devastated. She's disgusted. She's got this look of disgust and yeah. devastation on her face that... And I want to know what he said. But anyway, we find out that it's this kid, Lenny Sofer, one of the popular guys that apparently Mandy had a, a crush on. Who has a crush on somebody named Lenny? <laughs> Leonard? Leonard is better than Lenny. Sorry to any Lennys out there. Or Leonard's. What Lenny hurt you, Corey? None. I just don't find it. It's like there's this really funny clip out there on YouTube somewhere of Graham Norton doing a speed dating bit with a person on their show. If you've never watched Graham Norton, he's amazing. But he's doing blind dating and he's sitting in the seat of the dater and he's giving the interview and the whole audience is there. And so these guys keep sitting down in front of the cameraman and this guy sits down and he's got a name tag on that says Rupert. And he like smiles and he's like, oh, he's handsome. But then he hit the buzzer because he's like, his name is Rupert. You can't say I love you, Rupert. Or like, <laughs> whatever. And so it's like the same thing with Lenny. Like he can't be like, I love you, Lenny. Yeah, man. Anyway, continue. We just lost a huge fan base. I'm sure we did. <laughs> Potential All the there. Leonard's just exited out. Um, Thank anyway, you, next. So Mandy had a huge crush on this Lenny guy, and I guess she even had a picture of him in her locker at some point, and that Which got that's, out. I mean, as a girl who crushed on a lot of guys above her social stature mm-hmm. in high school, you don't make that shit obvious. That's social suicide right That's there. how you yeah. become the target. Yeah. I remember I had one guy's name written on my hand. I'd gone out that morning to do like a doctor's appointment or something with my mom. So I had it written on my hand because I wasn't at school. Uh-huh. And then I went to school and I forgot to wash it off oh, my hand. That's, that's, this is middle school. Yeah. And it was just the guy's first name. Luckily, it was Nick. So there was like 12 of them. And his last initial, which there was like four of those. So there was four Nick M's. And... Yeah, I scrubbed that off real fast when somebody <laughs> pointed it out. They're like, Nick M. And I was like, what? When Mandy, I remember the first time I watched that, I was just like, oh, God, I feel you. <laughs> I have done that. Uh, yeah. When I was I was watching this, and like the, the socially awkward girl who loves her dog, I'm like, man, Corey's really represented in this episode, <laughs> hey, isn't she? <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, no, I was. <laughs> More on that later. All right. Anyway, I want to know exactly what, what he said. But, but we don't learn it. Right, we do not learn it and then they look up and see that it's him and, and all of his friends, friends are laughing and he's barking like a dog and everything Dick. and then veronica just uh loses just it storms right up you prank call mandy what if i did well i want to congratulate you shake your hand congratulations you've been named the world's biggest cockroach this award is given in recognition of your unparalleled lack of decency and humanity bravo you're gonna die friendless and alone hey everybody knows you're the Shut biggest up. If I want you to speak, I'll wave a snossage over your nose. If you use Mandy again to try to convince yourself that you're not a loser, I will ruin your life. Got it? You got it? Hey, jeez. 
can't believe it. I can't believe that you didn't. You want people to leave you alone, Mandy? Or better yet, treat you with respect? Demand it. Make them. Veronica makes a good point, but... She's a little harsh. She's a little harsh, but I also feel like her and Mandy are two completely different people, and it's easier for somebody like Veronica, who has thicker skin and has gone through everything that she's gone through, to do that. But I don't know. I, I get the impression that Mandy has a pretty cush life. Not, like, financially cush, but, mm. like, she doesn't have a lot of people who care uh, or expect much of anything from her that would intentionally harm her or... She doesn't have many friends who could, like, break her heart. This is Kush? No, this isn't Kush. What I mean by that is, like, she doesn't strike me as somebody who has suffered. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. In the way that Veronica has. She hasn't had things that have had to harden her in right. the way gotcha. that Veronica has. I see has. what you're saying. That's where I'm trying to go. Gotcha. And so that's just not a skill set that Mandy has developed. She might, by the end of this episode, I mean, she does by the end of this episode. And so moving forward, she might be a little bit more like that. But I think that right here when we're seeing her, like... She's never had a reason to really do that. Right. So it's a little much, I think, from Veronica's. I understand where she's coming from, but well, I don't. Veronica is not the turn the other cheek type. No. And Mandy is. And yeah. You could tell that that's probably in Mandy's upbringing. The thing is, like the, the Lenny thing, she just kind of lets it, you know, roll off of her. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she does. She's internalizing it. Oh, which for is, sure. Which is super unhealthy. And I've, Veronica, Veronica, I've been there. Yeah. You internalize it. <laughs> and Veronica has a point. You know, you don't just let people do this to you. No. Nah. But at the same time, I think she was a little harsh about it. Yeah, she was. So back at the Mars apartments, uh, Veronica is, she's home to take back up out for a walk. This is where, yeah, she walks in, you know, greeting back up. You have to go to the bathroom? Of course you do. Or whatever. And then she gets the call from Hans at the animal shelter. And he says that they found Chester on the side of the road. He was injured. They had to put him down. He calls her to say that they needs to come in. Oh, she right. So they, Mandy didn't, in. they didn't even. He didn't even he give just her said the that, news over the phone. Right. And then she brings Mandy down to the county shelter. And then he he gives her Chester's collar, collar. and and a single tear rolls down her cheek. And I was like, I would be ugly sobbing so hardcore yeah. at this moment. She internalized it. Like I I saw it happen. Just like everything else in her life, she just uh. internalizes it. So next scene, Veronica is actually walking back up on the boardwalk. And they come across a bulletin board covered in lost dog posters, which this is very out of or- out of the ordinary. Um, it wasn't like that a few months ago. Right. There's tens of them. So she starts to get this hunch that, you know, there were some rewards on all of these posters. Mm-hmm. Well, she starts calling. She starts finding out some of these dogs have been found. Mm-hmm. And, and then she makes the correlation. The dogs that have been found have the higher rewards. Mm-hmm. $750, right. $500. So she actually makes her own poster off of one of the other ones. Or she uses the poster and then just changes the, changes the price. Which she does this whole thing where she like cuts it out and scans it and prints out another one. All she had to do was write another zero at the end of the poster. But you have to make, well, <laughs> I had the same thought because I was like, it's just a zero. So it's not like you have a chance of it looking different than any of the other numbers. And I mean, if anything, it But looks- if you're OCD and want to have that price centered, you need to be able to move it over a little bit. Or it could just look like, I don't know, whatever. A handwritten, lost and found. It was already lost. handwritten. That's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> it's not like it's something official. It's something that somebody, I do love Mandy's version of her. It's like, lost, alone, frightened. Like, that's what her, <laughs> yeah. her, her original lost dog thing said. Oh, it cracks me uh, up. Aren't we all, Mandy? Aren't we all? <laughs> For real. <laughs> All right, so she does create that other flyer and then bumps it up to $1,000 so she can see if she can flush out the villain, which she does. Next day, she gets a phone call, and she has Sophia. I wonder if she ever gets all her, her names mixed her up. Alias. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> she's a pro. And the person she's talked to on the phone obviously speaks perfect English, and then she sends her brother uh, to Dog <laughs> Beach to pick up Louie. So I'm your brother. I didn't mean brother like brother. I meant brother like, you know. Yeah, no. And where are you going to get a thousand bucks? You rolling like that. You really been holding out on a brother. Later that day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wallace is at Dog Dog Beach with an envelope full of a thousand dollars to meet a potential dog napper. Mm -hmm. And uh, a Hispanic man pulls up into a van, gets out and walks over. And they do the handoff, and Wallace is trying he to. Has some, the dog with yeah, him? Yeah, he does. That, that part was so cute too. That because it immediately like ran into the shelter of Wallace. It was like, ah, come over here, what a man. <laughs> and according Save to me. according to the transcript website, uh-huh. like the little liner notes, it's like, fortunately, the dog's not afraid of Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, a legit concern of anybody. Like, whether or not the dog's going to be like, ah, I don't know, 
you. You're another stranger. But considering where the dog might have been held, it might have been like, oh, save me, please. Right. I need my Perrier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is that kind of dog. They made me drink tap water. (laughs) (laughs) It's Caitlin Ford's dog. Anyway, so he's trying to get more information out of the guy, and the guy says, no habla inglés. And then, then I'm like, so who was Veronica talking to earlier? Who clearly had... Lo- it's an operation. Yes. Well, we get that. Yes. It's just that, that's a kind of a shitty operation. I guess it's an operation run by a high schooler. For real. Which we'll find Which we'll out. get to. Which we just spoiled you on, right. but that's okay. And so as the guy's walking back to the van, he gets viciously attacked by backup. Like, that was a scary moment. Like That is legit. I think now it would be a little bit harder. Even But then, too, it was still a little bit... He's a already thing. a pit bull in California. I know. Like, I do a- love that he runs and attacks him, and she's like, that's so weird. He just, like, ran away from me. And then he's, like, pulling his shoe off, and he's, you know, barking right in his face. And he is an aggressive, a scary-looking dog. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not mad at backup. I'm mad no. at Veronica. I know that she needed backup to attack and jump on him so she could take the money and also put a tracker on uh-huh. him. But you could have just put a tracker on the car right. that you were just on. Yeah, you don't get your money back, but in the end, once you catch the guy, then you get your money back, you know? It was a fun convenient like story thing but I was like that's how you get your dog put down unfortunately in the day that we live now is if they reported it depending on how many strikes your dog has like so you don't want to risk stuff like that Right. she follows the van to a warehouse that has a bunch of these Hispanic gentlemen Mm -hmm. hanging out her and backup follow follow them in and the guy recognizes her immediately Mm -hmm. like she's not very covert about the whole thing at all and just walks into this group of men and he recognizes her and then they just surround her and she's like oh shit (laughs) that was was a bad idea So they're all yelling, and he's like, give me my money. Give me my money. You stole my money. Yeah. And he even said, like, I, I translated the Spanish, and it was, I need the money to take to the other guy so he can give me my money. And, I mean, why don't you just keep the $1,000? But whatever. Because then you don't get jobs again. <laughs> right. So she's surrounded by all these men who are angry at her, and she just completely diffuses the situation by pulling out an air, air horn and blowing it into the air, which, for one, why does she have an air horn in her pocket? I feel like she has a Hermione Granger bag. Yeah. That's just full of <laughs> no, a bag of of her gear <laughs> that is like her taser her air horn i mean god knows what else is in right. that bag. backup right? lives in there that's, For real. that's, just that's how he, she carries that, him around <laughs> i did love him like riding in the back seat of her lebaron he's just like what's up guys <laughs> but as soon as she blows the air horn completely diffuses the situation all the guys are friendly and helpful it's like, like, i'd is, be more annoyed that is a magic air horn everybody's oh shit she means business she has an air horn let's cooperate <laughs> But she, in Spanish. But in Spanish. <laughs> so they they just start describing the guy and explaining the situation in mm-hmm. Spanish. And so there's a language gap, except for they seem to under, understand her just fine, mm-hmm. but she can't understand them, which is kind of the, that was the understanding I had with languages when I was in kindergarten. Right. We had a new kid in kindergarten who spoke only Spanish. And I remember being a kindergartner with my friend saying, oh, he understands English. He just can't speak it. And so we're just talking at him and he's just smiling and nodding. So we're thinking he understands Span- or right. he understands English. It's what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder where I got that from. Probably TV. Possible. Yeah, she's like, you stole the dog. And they're like, no, we don't steal. We don't steal. They understand it perfectly. And then they start describing him. El hombre well, de los... Well, she, do- she doesn't really know what they're... Dis- well, okay. Yeah. Well, they said the el hombre de los perros. perros. Anyway, I think she got that part. The dog man. And I think the Spanish that they put in here, I mean, the writers could have tried a little harder on this part. Let's only use Spanish that a... Freshmen in high school that might take in a in Spanish class. Well, that is our market. Right. That's the audience we're trying to reach. But they didn't do that with Italian. I don't think. Nobody speaks Italian except for Italian. Like, you don't learn Italian in high school. You get Spanish or French. Well, it, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you get German. Sometimes you get Japanese. Sometimes you get Japanese? Yeah, one of the schools in our district taught Japanese. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so they're, they're describing El Hombre de los Perros. And <laughs> it's, apparently he likes women with large breasts. Like, they're just doing this whole... Yeah. Like, let's play dirty charades with a teenage girl. <laughs> At the end of this entire section, she has her money, she has her dog, and she has a little more information that she thinks is useless. And then next day, the next scene at Neptune High, she's walking through the parking lot and sees the white van mm-hmm. with, with, the mud flaps. with the mud flaps, with the, the naked lady mud, mud flaps, the oh so popular ones, mm-hmm. and the sticker on the back windshield for the bull riding team. They had also told her that the guy drives a white van. Right. And it's on a white van. Right. So she climbs in the back of a white van and waits for the person to, to come in. And it's Hans from the animal shelter. <laughs> of course, she accuses him. So I guess when Mandy and I came looking for Chester, you realized you screwed up. Dog-napped from a poor girl? So you just cut your losses and threw him to the side of the road? Actually, 
I rounded up 101 of them. Some crazy ladies making a coat. And this is also where we find out that Hans is 18. Community Community soap. So Veronica meets Mandy in the library, and she wants to go to the pound, wreck shop, bust these guys. For See what what's going doing. on. They're still convinced that Chester is dead, and but Mandy's down. She wants to help. 100%. You know, hashtag justice for Chester all day. And Veronica does something terrible and then asks Leo for a favor, <laughs> which, of course, he acquiesces because that's what Veronica does to people. Mm-hmm. It must be nice to look exactly like Kristen Bell. So they bust into the county pound with Wallace, Mandy, and Veronica in tow. So it's a deputy sheriff and three high schoolers. This is very TV. It's very <laughs> things, TV. things that don't happen in reality for a thousand, Alex. Right. They get in there. They find the locked door. and they, Where they keep the quarantined the quor- animals. Yeah, quote-unquote quarantined animals. And when they get in there, they find all the posters, or they find all the dogs from the posters. And, and now these dogs are actually, two of them are Veronica's, are Kristen Bell's dogs in real life. Okay, so which So ones? Mr. Shakes and Lola. Or was that their names? That in, was their names in also this? in the episode. Oh, oh, so they yeah. used so their she's real like, names? It's Mr. Shakes. It's Lola. Yeah, like she posts pictures of Lola all the time. I mean, Lola's like super old now. I think she's still with us. I'm not um, 100% on Mr. Shakes. Well, but. let's hope. So Mandy sees that Chester is not in the room, and that's pretty much the last straw for her, I think. You just see her get upset and storm out of the room, and then you hear a tussle outside. You hear screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and they run out there, and Mandy is on top of Hans, just tasing the shit out of him. His neck. Yes. Which I'm also like, Mandy, where did you get the taser? I don't know. She probably had it the entire... Maybe. I think she was expecting to go and and fuck some shit up at at the dog pound. And she's like, what's the best weapon I have? Mm-hmm. And who knows? She might be walking to the old 09 to, with Chester to this babysit twice a week. So she's. But you're in the 09. I got teared up at this point because she's like, he was my best friend. And she's crying and mm-hmm. tasing him. And I'm like, you know what? If somebody took Kip, I would murder them. Yep. I would John Wick their ass. Right. If only you could have Wallace Fennell watching you do it. Because the look on his face when she was tasing him, he was enjoying the shit out oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Wallace was like, get him. Yeah, you get him. He just, Wallace was all about he it. He was grinning ear to ear. I feel ear. like Wallace is a dog person. He was so cute with when he dropped off Louie at the woman's house. So after he gets Louie <laughs> yeah. and he, he rings the door and he's like, please be hot. Please be single. And then it's this like old woman who answers the door. But she's so happy and he's so happy to have reunited them. I think Wallace might secretly be a dog person. Well, I really like that Wallace had that moment because I think this is the like it's cool when he helps on capers, yeah. but he doesn't get to reap a lot of the rewards yeah. for the, from this. So he gets to be there and be be able to see all that gratitude yeah. and be the, on the receiving yeah. end of that gratitude. I also wonder what car he drives because we never see him driving, and yet they both go to the park for the exchange. Veronica and backup leaving her LeBaron. Wallace goes somewhere with the dog. But it's like, how, does Wallace walk everywhere? What kind of car does he drive? What do you think? Like like a really old like two-door Civic? I don't know. It's not the van. It's not the van. Yeah. I feel like he's got like a little like old sedan that he drives around. I could see like that. Like a little Civic. Right. Yeah. Or, or a Geo Metro. Or a Caddy. No. <laughs> it's going to be an old like Geo Metro well, an car. Old, an old Caddy. No. Yeah. So she's, ta- she's tasing Hans and he screams and uh, confesses that Chester's not dead. They just sold him mm-hmm. because they found out they couldn't get any money. So they made money off of selling him. Right. Which, Which is, I was so relieved. Relieved, but also a little fucked up. So fucked up. Right. Cause, can you imagine like being out at a park one day, you've lost your dog and you go there to just watch other dogs because you just miss yours and you see this family show up with a Jack Russell and you're just like, wait a second. And he looks at you and you look at him and then he just, like, can you imagine... Oh, I can't. My last dog I had, Chimo. You never met Chimo. Mm-mm. He was a little Tibetan spaniel. Love of my life. I love that dog. I miss him so much. I lost him in the divorce. Um, quote unquote divorce. Breakup. And we got him at the animal shelter and he was he was a runaway. They he was a stray that they found up in the Round Rock Fleurville area. And um, they never found whoever, I guess he was abandoned, which boggles my mind because he was the coolest dog in the world and really well behaved. And he was a lap dog, you know, a, f- a fluffy lap dog. And, mm-hmm. and he was really healthy. And so I don't know. So I always had this feeling that this family lost him and mm-hmm. they were desperately looking for him. And of course, the animal shelters always try really hard to oh, yeah, find those always. people. So if you're picking up a dog from the animal shelter, there's a very low chance that there's a family out there that's missing him. heartbroken missing him because they probably found that person already. Also microchip your dogs. Right. So I always had this fear that because I, I, I fell in love with this dog and he was my best, my best little friend. And I had this fear that we'd be taking him out to, to Town Lake or something and then some other owners call Come him and they're over. like, oh, Sparkles or something. I'm like, in like the, in the back of my head, I'm like, why did you name him Sparkles? That's a stupid name. Kip's name was Allie. 
That's actually her original owner. That's a cute name for a no. dog. I, I like it. I changed it real fast. Once I had again, a, I had a new name for her by the time we got home. Once again, I like dogs with human with names. Hum, people names. Yeah. Wow. Well, my dog Felix was originally named Phoenix, which is a terrible name for because he's a little fluffy ball of fluff, and Phoenix because he rose from the ashes. Like that's dramatic. So <laughs> that is dramatic. So we named him Felix because it sounded close enough to Phoenix, and it is much more appropriate for his attitude. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a little spunky little little asshole. But yeah. Very much a Felix. Yes. Anyway, uh, so Mandy and Veronica go to a house and they find Chester. And there's this really, really sweet, real uh, reunion. reunion. So I hope the family's not bummed about losing their dog. Well, and apparently Veronica called ahead. And, this is true. Yeah. To look, and I'm sure like it would be heartbreaking to get that call. But like if you if it was somebody like Mandy and you see that reunion, like if I saw somebody and they came to pick up my dog and they were just like, get in the car, like yelling at the dog, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I will pay you $600 to keep this dog. Right. You know what I mean? But when you see her and how she just like falls apart seeing him again. Who was the so in the last episode, the president of the school council? What's her name? Um, Sabrina? No, not student council. Like the president of the... Uh, Sabrina's mom? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> what if it was that family? Ugh, God. And they're like, no, I paid for this dog. You can't have him. Take I've it. already ruined somebody's college career. I might I as well like ruin your... There's probably some legal recourse in this. If you follow the path of this investigation and the criminal charges that will come out of it, there's probably some legal way for her to get the dog back. Right. Because it was kidnapped. It was sold. Like, it had an owner. I'm sure she would get the dog back. Right, and they would get their money back. Yes, but I could see Sabrina's mom being a bitch like that right. and not... It's the principle of the thing. <laughs> anyway, case closed. Case closed. Alright, so let's jump into everything else that happened <laughs> in this episode and there is quite a bit. So we're going to start with Weevil. So while there is an official story that Duncan is off visiting family in Chattanooga, everyone at Neptune has also heard the tale of Veronica accusing Duncan of killing Lily. And this interests Weevil. So much so that he maybe uses the excuse of needing some math tutoring, don't we all? So he can <laughs> chat with her about it at Mars Investigations, away from everyone else. Sadly, their hang at Veronica Mars is interrupted by Keith. I need to recap my concerned dad lectures. No running with scissors, no candy from strangers, no smartening up the local criminal element. Next day at school, Wallace comes running up to her in the halls. He's got news and is real excited that he knows something before she does. It turns out that VP Clemens just received a call that Weevil was arrested for breaking into the Kane residence. Security footage caught him in Lily's bedroom. Dun-dun-dun. Mm-hmm. So later that day, Veronica heads to the sheriff's department where she charms Leo into letting her talk to Weevil, who's in holding. Before going in, she asks what Weevil had on him when they brought him in. 17 cents, a condom, and a pen. Why was Weevil at Kane's? Well, as he tells it, he broke into Lily's room to find a diamond ring. It was his mother's, and she gave it to him for an engagement ring. There was a time he stupidly wanted Lily to have it. Oh, high school. <laughs> well, he didn't find it, but more pressing than a diamond ring. The Kane's want me crucified for this, and now that I'm 18... Goodbye, Juvie. Hello, community soap. Later in the episode, Celeste Kane drops by Mars Investigations for reasons we'll discuss in a moment. But on her way out, Veronica offers to find Duncan if the Kanes agree to drop charges against Weevil. Of course, Veronica doesn't actually know where Duncan is, but the offer seems to work because Weevil is back at school a few days later. Mm-hmm. And here's the most important thing about this storyline, and there's no delicate way to weave these moments together because they're done so well in in the episode, Mm -hmm. like so subtly that I would be talking about this in detail in order to kind of get it. So I'm just going to lay it all out there. (laughs) At the start of the episode, while tutoring Weevil, Veronica loans him a pencil. When he's picked up for the break-in later that night, Leo says he has a pen on him. And later, Logan references passing secret notes between the two of them. More on that later. Mm -hmm. And Veronica flashes back on a memory with Lily. Lily had found a secret spy pen in her cereal. Pink and girly and perfect for sending love notes to all her lovers. Lovers. It'll be a very busy pen. (laughs) But this description matches the pen that was found on Weevil. Back at home, Veronica asks Keith why he dropped Weevil as a suspect. And Keith shows her the file on Weevil. He's apparently been keeping the non-essential files in his bedroom in a box labeled Playboys. <laughs> he thinks he's so clever. But also, it's like right there in his closet. Right. Like, Hiding in plain sight. Keith, has Alicia been into your bedroom? How does she feel about your box of Playboys? She's like, what's that all about? Mm. Oh, no, that's just uh, Lily Kane murder files. <laughs> that's how I detour Veronica from going through my shit. <laughs> I mean, fair. It worked. She never had. <laughs> 
So Weevil was doing community service that day. A dozen people saw him between 11 and 2 p.m. But now that we know Lily's death was long after 2 p.m., the fact remains, Keith says, that the Canes tried to cover up her murder. Would they do that for Weevil? Yep. At school, Veronica confronts Weevil about the pen. And this is where the episode ends, but not my discussion, because I've got other things to talk about. He tells her that she can have it. Any messages inside when you found it? Messages from you, perhaps? Now, if I told you, it wouldn't really be a secret message pen. Would it? So we've got Weevil acting suspiciously. Everybody's acting suspiciously at the tail end of the season, I think. Because they're bringing everything together, right? right? All right, so now we're going to move on to Logan. And kind of this storyline that happens happens with Logan, the Eccles, with Veronica. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So Logan is likewise concerned about Duncan's whereabouts at the top of the episode. I get that Veronica confronted Duncan, but why is everyone asking her where he is? (laughs) I mean, Logan's his best friend. Veronica's his ex-girlfriend slash half-sister. Like, (laughs) why is Veronica going to know? Well, there's a special bond between an ex-boyfriend, half-sibling thing that... No, I mean, it's so rare you get bonded over that (laughs) shit, right? It happens so oddly, infrequently. The one thing Logan doesn't talk to her about, that kiss. But that's okay. Veronica is likewise cool about pretending their two minutes in heaven never happened. I call bullshit. Mm -hmm. You called it two minutes in heaven. It wasn't two minutes either. No, but I'm sure it felt like Uh, two minutes. It felt like forever or two minutes. I could see our whole lives stretching out. (laughs) Anyway, so we follow Logan home from school that day, and Aaron Eccles is on the couch brushing up on his TBR pile. Siddhartha. Phil Jackson gave it to me. I'm reading the exact same book right now. Oh, that's in funny. The exact same print. Like, it's Would you say it has given you new perspective? It's a good book. I'd say it is a good book. Eh, I'm um, okay about it. Or, have you read it? I read it in high school. Yeah, so I didn't read it in high school. While Aaron appears to be enjoying the retired life... Remember, he's taking a break. Mm-hmm. Well, he's actually quit acting right. officially to spend more time with his family because Lynn's death made him realize that this gesturing to his mansion, <laughs> this is all he needs. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, how far is he into Siddhartha? I know, right? And I love it. <laughs> Trina sitting there next to him on the couch, and Logan comes in and he's like, push in on our hero. Natural light frames his handsome, weathered face as he passes sage advice to his doting daughter. The music swells. Important your family is. Hmm. Aaron appears to be enjoying his retired life, but Logan's like, I call bullshit. And Trina doesn't seem to believe his acting days are over either. She even tries to pitch him on a role in an independent film her boyfriend Dylan is producing. Dylan. Two days, tops. The problem, you have with Lenny's, I have a Dylan's. I don't know if I've ever met a Dylan I liked. Later, their lawyer drops by to discuss Lynn's will. Turns out she changed it a few weeks before her death. She removed Aaron, which he was like, Okay. <laughs> and left Logan her art collection, personal effects, and an account with a balance of $115,000. With a balance of $115,000 and change. I'm hoping that that art collection is worth more than that. I know. <laughs> and Trina? Well, it turns out she was never in the will to begin yeah. with. And she looks so put off by she that. She was like, what about me? She removed me too? And the guy was like, uh, you were actually never in it. <laughs> And I mean, her her own description of her relationship with... Well, it was her stepmom. Right. Like in that last episode or whatever episode yeah. that was when we first meet Trina. Mm-hmm. It's like, your mother it was my stepmother. Like, she didn't have any affection for Lynn. Right. So and why is she so... I don't, we find out because why. She's we find out why. Greedy. Yeah. Because she's Aaron's daughter. <laughs> she's greedy and she's also yeah. in desperate need for money right now. For real. So kind of a sting, but don't feel bad for Trina. No. The following morning... Trina approaches Logan in the kitchen with some breakfast. Can I ask you something? Hmm. You look at that. There was a string attached to my Pop-Tart. Yeah. Well, I'm in a little bit of a jam. I could use a loan. Twelve hours to hit me up for my dead mother's money. Could I just borrow ten grand just for a little while? Ten grand? Will you just hear me out, please? My boyfriend Dylan spotted me some cash a few months ago, and now he's bugging me about it. I, I can't. Get him off my back. Did you try standing up? Thanks. Knew I could count on you. I mean, that's a red flag right there. Her boyfriend is pretty much pressuring her for the money. Right. It's a red flag for us, but it's probably not a red flag for Logan. It, Trina, I'm sure, does this kind of shit all right, the time. You know, is always getting herself in trouble and daddy's bailing her out. So for, I can see where Logan just doesn't buy into this. And he's like, yeah, okay, we'll get on that. <laughs> um, so that makes sense. 
A few days later in the evening, Trina comes home limping and wearing dark sunglasses. And Logan goes all Alpha Logan the Protector and demands to know what happened, if her wannabe producer boyfriend did this. But Trina reminds Logan that he's made it clear how uninterested he is in her life and doesn't give him any information Mm -hmm. on Dylan. I like that he reacted in a way of like wanting to protect her despite because I feel like that's I don't know. I feel like that's my sibling relationship, right? Where it's like we don't get along. But like if anybody ever hurt them. I'd rip them apart. So I, I understand that. And I like that that's his reaction is now that there's like physical proof that it, something might seriously be wrong. Like he immediately drops his quips, his axe. Kind of like Meg and her sister. Yeah. Yep. So Logan goes to Veronica. I need your help. Would it be weird for me to start my own drinking game? Like I have to do a shot every time someone asks for my help. Logan needs to find out who this Dylan guy is. And once they do, it's not good. Two restraining orders in the past five years. So at home, Trina gets ready for the day by hiding her black eye under some concealer. And Aaron pops in to see just how she's doing. She tells him that she's having a little bit of boyfriend drama and doesn't really let him see, you know, what exactly she's covering Mm. up. She's kind of got her hair in her face. She's trying to hide it. And that she let Dylan believe that Aaron was interested in this role in the indie film. And the funding is now falling through. And so things are just kind of, you know, they might have had a little argument about it. And Aaron says, well, you know, invite Dylan over for dinner so I can at least hear the pitch Mm -hmm. for the movie. So this dinner, guys. (laughs) Dylan is a total tool. Yeah. We realize it right away with his kind of sleazy schmoozing as he tries to impress Aaron while simultaneously like posturing like, I know what I'm doing. I'm in the industry, but also please help me. Right. And I think at one point she tells her dad that it's like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, but better. And I'm like, you don't get better than that. A junkie with a conscience. A junkie with a Yeah. He's like telling him about this character and it's just such a cliched redemption storyline. So it's nothing original. And it's two days worth of work, and it sounds like he's supposed to be the villain, but... Also has an arc he has to execute in two days. Right. (laughs) That's a tall order. (laughs) Meanwhile, Aaron leaves a story that we haven't actually heard before. His father abused him and his mother. His mother would hide the bruises under makeup, wear dark glasses around the house, but little Aaron could still see the signs. So Trina's act, it didn't fool him. Nope. And so Aaron beats the shit out of Dylan. Yeah, he does. While that Samore plays. (laughs) And it's such a delightful juxtaposition because he's literally, they move all across the pool deck. He throws punches. He throws him. He picks up chairs and like cracks them over his back. Like it's a very. He could have killed him. He very very easily could have killed him. It was, it was an event, right? And at the end, just when uh, Aaron whips off his belt and starts beating Dylan with it, not even like whipping it out for the threat, like he actually starts cracking it over him, Logan and Veronica burst through the door because earlier Logan had called the house when he found out about Dylan's restraining orders and Aaron had mentioned that they invited Dylan over for dinner. So they kind of like rush over there. And I have to wonder how much of Aaron fighting Dylan is actually about protecting Trina and defending her? Or is it about Aaron Eccles and his ego? Right. I would believe that Aaron sees Trina as an extension of him. Not uh-huh. not like property, but like belonging to him. You know, like this is mine and you, like anything that happens that you do to her is like a slight on me. Like attacking the Eccles name itself. Yeah, and that's my name. That's my brand. I built this empire and, and anybody who comes after anyone is really coming after me. So this is actually all about my ego. And also it's him enacting any rage he might have against his father potentially Mm -hmm. and how that all went down. Because he mentioned, you know, he did try standing up to his dad, but he was so small and his dad like burned a cigarette on his hand. He doesn't say anything about how that all ended. Like if his mom ever left his dad. Like but did that ever that. Actually, did it actually happen though, or was it? Oh, a, I'm sure it did. Yeah. I mean, look at the person that he became. It's true. You know, yeah. he beats his son. He treats his wife as he did, and now he's beating the shit out of Dylan. So you know, he's got. He needs some therapy or some anger management. He just needs to finish Siddhartha, and then he'll be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> he uh, he needs to, in his retirement maybe take some anger management courses. Is just a, a thought that I might yeah. add. I like that when he goes, oh, hey, Logan, how was school? Because he's like beating Dylan. Yeah. He just looks up. And Veronica's like, the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> because I I mean, maybe I feel, does she know that Aaron Eccles beats Logan? I don't know. Does anybody know? Like maybe Duncan knows, but I don't feel like anybody, I don't think it's common knowledge. Well, I mean, Trina, Trina actually Trina mentions knows. it. Does she? Because she, she said, oh, the big bad wolf and, you know, bloody oh. noses and everything like that. That's right. When they're at the hotel. So 
Logan and Veronica make sure that Dylan gets out to his car. The reason I thought that that was important is he says, Aaron says to him, will you make sure, you know, Dylan gets to his car and gets out of here? And Logan's like, with pleasure. Yeah. And so it's this really interesting, like, Logan doesn't side with his father ever, ever right? They're enemies. But this is like the Venn diagram of where they overlap. Right. Is this idea of like, nobody is going to treat Trina that way. You don't fuck with family. Yeah. Type of thing. Logan and Veronica make sure that Dylan gets out to his car. And as they walk back to his house, Logan asks Veronica whether she thinks Lily loved Weevil. You know, word's gotten out that Weevil broke into uh-huh. her room and it's, it's made him think. Veronica doesn't know. And she insists that Lily really did love Logan. Just not like I loved her, he says. But it's okay. It lets him off the hook. He doesn't have to feel guilty. For what? Veronica asks. Moving, Moving on. on. And then they kiss <laughs> some more. And it's like a kiss. And then it's a, what are we doing? And then there's another kiss. And it's just lovely. And then they talk about, well, maybe we just keep this between us right now and, and kind of see how it all plays out. And he mentions like uh, making out in the mop, the mop, mop closet closets. and and passing secret <laughs> notes in the hallway, which is where she gets tipped off to think about like the spy pen, which we talked about uh-huh. in the evil storyline. So this means it's a thing now, right? So it wasn't just a thing that happened in this heated moment, right, outside of the Camelot Motel. Uh-huh. It's happened now again. Now it's going to be a thing that happens every time they're alone, maybe. And now we have officially set sail on the love boat before we were still docked in the port, but now we're setting out to the ocean. <laughs> it's going to be great. So much fun. They're now serving appetizers. Yes. We're having mimosas on the deck. All right. So the last thing that happens in this episode, I started out thinking it had more to do about Duncan, but it actually doesn't. It has to do with Keith and Veronica. Mm -hmm. So as mentioned, Duncan is MIA. No one has heard from him, and his parents are spinning a story that he's off visiting family. While at Mars Investigations alone, Veronica is confronted by Celeste, who is convinced that she has had something to do with Duncan's disappearance. She's not wrong. (laughs) But in this scene, we finally get confirmation of Celeste's motivations and why she treats Veronica like she does. I know you think I hate you, but I don't. I just can't stand to look at you. Every time I see you, I see everything that's wrong in my life and my family. I see my husband's infidelity and your mother in his office in his hotel room. I see your father trying to destroy us. What are you doing here? I needed to ask your daughter a few questions. You don't need to ask her anything. You just leave her alone. You don't scare me, Keith. You were such a great detective. You would have seen what was going on right underneath your nose. So I'm thinking, so Celeste says, I don't hate you. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh. And then she says all this other stuff. I'm like, oh, I think I'd rather you hate me. Right? I was like, so you do hate me. And what you heard in that clip was Keith Mars arriving at the office halfway through and overhearing this. And he kind of he kind of comes in and, and kind of gets like, not in front of Veronica, but alongside her, like a united front. Uh-huh. And he tells her, like, fuck off, get out of here, right? right. Not necessarily Don't talk to my daughter. those words ever yeah. again. And I think that this moment is so important because up until now, this has never been said out loud uh-huh. by anyone other than Abel Coons. Yeah. Right? And her mother. But this is the first time it... That's said in public. There's still only three people there. Well, but, but said... Let's just say said in front of Keith. <laughs> said in front of Keith, right? With the, the two people who would be most devastated by the truth of this situation, right. right? And while we haven't seen Keith confronted with it, sure, he's maybe suspected, but he's never. it's never been presented like this and with Veronica also in the room, with the two of them in the same place mm-hmm. together. So Celeste obviously has no class or right to be world-shattering like this, but now I'd argue we've entered a point of no return for the Mars. Right. With it out there, it can't be conveniently ignored uh-huh. anymore. Because even if Keith suspected, he's just like, nope, it's my kid. I'm just going to keep. And that's, that's even what Veronica thing. did. And like, that's what, yeah, Veronica, you know, and th- so we know that Veronica did the DNA test earlier in the season. She didn't actually do the DNA test, did she? She did the blood test. She sent in the kit oh, and then she that's shredded right. the results. That's right. She never actually saw yeah. the results. But at the end of this episode, we see Keith Mars preparing DNA by taking her hair from her brush and hair from his own head and packing it away. And the funny part is at first and I saw him taking the hair from the brush with the DNA thing and I'm like, oh, it's his, that's not his brush. Why no. would that be his brush? <laughs> Does he brush his hair? Sorry, Enrico. <laughs> 
We love you. I mean, Enrico's been bald since like his twenties, hasn't he? Like, I think so. And just shoot me, he and, and he rocks it. Well, he wore a hat for a really long time in that show. Right, but he definitely rocks it. All right, so favorite moments. Lots of favorite moments. But oh, that's right. Before you have. favorite moments. This is going to be such a long We're episode. going to get into oh. the Troy Vandergraaf of the episode. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, the third, my, my third rendition. Installation. Of, uh, installation of the Troy Vandergraaf of the episode. And um, we're not going to do 20 characters this time. Thank God. Um, we're only going to do 10. <laughs> oh, come on. The 20 was fun for me. So we'll just kick it off. So what we're doing here is a top 10 um, of the worst people in the episode because there were a lot of them in this episode. So I could not help but do this bit. Okay. So uh, coming in at number 10 is Trina Eccles. She would have been higher. However, you felt bad for her? I did kind of. It's difficult to be in that situation. And she's trying to solve it herself. And I feel like she's somebody who's not used to standing on her own. Right. And so it's like, I have found somebody who will be with me and put up with me, and I can't lose that. And so it's like, I'll do whatever I can to stay in this situation. Right. And also, you know, what has been modeled for her growing up with, for real. with Lynn and Aaron and everything like that. Yeah. All that being said, the reason she makes the list is because she's straight up using her dad and trying to use her brother. And, mm-hmm. you know, sure, she's trying to take care of it herself, but the, in the methods that she's trying to use to take care of it herself is not taking care of it herself. She does a lot of that emotional manipulation. Right. That's very frustrating. And trying to use Aaron's ego against him, you know, with that whole John Travolta in Pulp yeah. Fiction thing. And I don't know, it's very characteristic of her character. Mm-hmm. No matter what she did in this episode, she'd be on this list. Oh, for real. <laughs> I just might have shoved her up closer. So number nine, and you, I might get some pushback on this one, is Weevil. He's kind of a cold, hard thug in this one. Um, and I think it, he's just being cast in that light because we're supposed to be a little suspicious of him now. But just kind of his interactions in this episode were... He's a little short. Right. And very transactional with Veronica. Right. And not, we're friends. It's more of a, like, I secretly need something for you. Right. And something that I didn't even notice before that you brought up is that, you know, the whole math tutor thing, which I thought was a little uncharacteristic of him to begin with, but maybe he was doing that just to get some time with her and price some some little information out. So, which puts him more securely on this list. I mean, I really should have put numbers on here. I'm having to do math. (laughs) Number eight. Number eight is Veronica for two reasons. One, for tearing into Mandy that way, which we Uh already discussed earlier. And for two, for risking Backup's life. You know, Mm -hmm. sending him off after that guy like that. Yeah. I I ended badly for him. We get the idea here that he's probably an undocumented immigrant or something like that because he's doing the day labor stuff. I thought for a second you meant... Backup. Not I was backup. like, undocumented. I'm sure he's microchipped. He's got papers. I don't know. He, does, he definitely doesn't have I mean, papers. maybe he's well-trained. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, if he's if he's in any part, a part of the Mars investigation but operation. well-trained or not. This it, is true. You know, he takes a chunk, he takes a bite like that out of the wrong person. He's getting put down. This is true. Right. You know, what if it was, uh, like you mentioned earlier. Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina's family at all, Oof. you know? You know, he wouldn't have made it off that beach. Nope. Also, I would say number three, she broke up with Leo, which I forgot to mention. Right. But uh, after making out with Logan, she goes in and does the famous, because it's kind of infamous, the whole, like, I'm a train wreck. Like, right. I, I dated a drug dealer. Period. I dated my half-brother. Prob- <laughs> probably because of something that I said to him. And I just made out with my dead best friend's boyfriend. Right. So I'm a little... I'm a train wreck. It's but I was uh, like, no, you're just a teenager. I, I don't give her any points. I don't knock any points off of her for breaking up with Leo. I think she did the the best well, thing she could have. Well, then she breaks up with them and then immediately asks him for help. It would have been really fucked up if she did it the other way around. This is true. <laughs> when, she, when they're on the steps of the shelter, she's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> I can't date you anymore. Right. I think she shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. Mm. But she's a teenager and shit like that happens. And I think she handled it in a very mature way. This is true. I mean, it was much better to be upfront with it. Right. Um, But now that she and and Logan have set off on their love boat cruise, (laughs) we don't need Leo anymore at this time. All right. Number seven. Whoever wrote the warehouse scene, whatever writer wrote that entire scene, (laughs) they may make it to the list today. Okay. It's a little over the top. Like, think of... Early cinema, when they would write, you know, I guess Hispanic people or, or black people or anything into these shows. And that's when back when they did like blackface and they did all this like really messed up stuff to try to this is how their culture is. And, you know, they got uh-huh. white people playing Lawrence of Arabia and shit like this. And I don't know, maybe Lawrence of Arabia was supposed to be white, but you know what I mean? 
And that I feel like they did that here, and it's like let's let's go over the top, like made them like caricatures instead yes, of actual people. Exactly, like the whole riding the the sawhorse thing and the the description of the the late the lady with the big boobs. I don't know. I just thought it was very, it was over the top caricature is the word that I was looking for there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and I just I just feel the writers are better than that. Yeah. I, I feel they've proven time and time again that they're better than that. Uh, number six, number six is Aaron Eccles. Mostly just because he's in the episode. <laughs> and he wasn't so great. Right. He wasn't and, nice. And, I mean, as far as Aaron Eccles' episodes go, he was probably in the best light in this one just because of his honor and his family and all this shit. He's trying to be like this caring father. Right. Although, again, I call into question whether or not that was actually about Trina or more about him. Right. But, I mean, he's definitely been worse. Like this. Oh, 100%. There have been episodes where he'd be number one. Well, because the one where he goes and makes his son pick out the belt that he's going to beat him right. with. So number five is Celeste Kane, because she's damn, such a bitch. yeah, that was so bad. She's so pretentious, even when she's going there to ask Veronica for help, and she just walks in. She and- gets so defensive right away, and then all of a sudden is like, "Here, let me tell you everything." Because Veronica does. I mean, she does say like, "What did you say to my son?" Or what did you tell my son? And she's like, I'll tell you what I didn't tell him. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, damn, she's going to confront her. Because she's like, you threatened my mom. You ran her out of town. And then, of course, Celeste has to be like, but I'm the good person. This is why. Like, feel sorry for me. And I do. Like, that is a shitty, right. city, shitty situation for Celeste to be in. But that does not justify your course of action. Right. There's better ways to deal with that. You don't have to bring the children into this. Right. Exactly. Your, your stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> into this conversation. Yeah. All right. Number four is Lenny Sofer. See? Yeah. Lenny. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> this guy was pretty terrible. He was. Um, and he got what he deserved, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that that, that that part happened. I'm not glad that he did that, but I'm glad that Veronica did what she did. Number three is... I forgot for a moment who Lenny was. Yeah. I was like, wait, who's Lenny Sofer? <laughs> the guy that Mandy had a crush on. Right. That barked at her and she called him out. Right. Yeah, it wasn't there weren't two Lennies in this episode. I was like, wait, and I was like, who was... For some reason, I thought he had to do with, like... He, eh, yeah, continue. Okay. Uh, number three is JW. Okay. Um, he obviously wasn't the mastermind of the operation. God, no. no. I feel it was like this, like, he has this, like, intern, and the intern's like, I'm going to make us rich. And he's like, okay, just don't get me in trouble. Right. <laughs> and he's like, just... He was definitely not, the like, the one doing everything. Right. Um, number two, Hans. Number two is... Abs- wait, who's number hold one? Hold on, hold on. Number two is Hans. Like there was okay. a pretty much a tie for first and second here, but number two is Hans because okay, yeah, and number one is Dylan. Oh, but, duh! Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I was like, wait, who's number one? If it's not, <laughs> I, I'm like the dog dog napper over the abusive boyfriend. Obviously, the dog napper is number one in my brain. But yeah, oh god, Dylan for so many reasons, right? For being a skis, even if he didn't hit her once. Oh, just, so gross. Like, just for his his general attitude. Mm. Aaron Eccles. Let me tell you about my badass film yeah. that I'm producing. You're a junkie with, with conscience. conscience. <laughs> He's so gross. Ugh. And Maybe just the whole thing where he That should be our episode title. He eats the piece of steak. It's like, oh, it's perfect. Perfection. And he's like, not quite. <laughs> and then he's like, oh shit, how do I come back from this? And Trina's just like wringing her hands in the background like, oh, I hope this works out. <laughs> and it don't. Nope. That's... Some more <laughs> I love when that song starts like singing and you're like all the intense fight scenes that we see are queued up as this like harsh like intense music in the background and instead they're playing this like lively and jovial Italian classic yeah talking about that's love like <laughs> yeah it's yeah. Um, yeah it's wonderful I love that that scene so much awesome I mean I do but I don't so our Troy Grand- Vandergraaf of this episode is absolutely Dylan 100% Dylan alright so, so what was your favorite part of the episode my favorite part of the episode we didn't really talk about but it happened during the mystery du jour timeline and it's Wallace and Veronica at lunch and he was like I walked out and they were kissing on the couch last night <laughs> she was sitting on his lap hey 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 no discussing parental PDA at lunch it's your rule uh, sorry can't be the only one with that image burned in my brain. I had to share. And I love that they've <laughs> they've moved past the initial shock of this and have obviously reached acceptance. It sounds like uh, Alicia and Keith have a lovely relationship mm-hmm. going on and that they're enjoying their 
each other's company a lot. And I like that Wallace and Veronica have gotten to a place now where they've accepted like this is their reality and that they're friends and that they're kind of like this is becoming a part of their life. And I love that they have like rules for like what we can and cannot discuss (laughs) (laughs) at lunch. This is one of them. Parental PDA. That was my favorite moment. And it didn't really fit in any of the scenes really, but it was by far one of my favorite parts of the episode. Awesome. Yeah, I liked it as well. My favorite part of the episode was when they bust into the pound. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it does. It looks like Scooby and the gang, kind right. of, you know? And, and Leo's, uh, the, the guy's like, goes to Leo and is like, so you got a warrant? He's like, uh, you're a county employee. This is a county building. I am a county deputy. Do you really want me to really wake, up really wake up the judge? <laughs> I mean, you, do, you don't really. Right. It's like, this is not a private business. No, yeah. it's not. You have no rights right exactly. now. Exactly. I, I, Leo played it fantastically. Leo was really great in this episode. Right. And <laughs> not creepy at all, unlike last episode. Yep. So anyway, they go back to the back and there's the whole locked door thing. And then he, he arrests him. He's arrested. I like Wallace like runs and jumps over and he's like, what about this door? Yeah. <laughs> We're canvassing every corner. I'm telling you, Wallace is a dog man. Yep. And then when he's arresting JW, so you have the right to remain silent or whatever. The guy is like, no, you can't arrest me. I didn't do anything. Resist. Please. Please, <laughs> Please resist me. I loved it. Yeah. And even the, the part at the end where <laughs> and Veronica asks Leo. Can I ask you kind of a weird question? Do you ask any other kind of questions? And it's just very characteristic of just the type of things that Veronica says all the time. And all the characters around her are just like, yes, I know. You need a favor. You have a question. You need my help. What the hell do you need? Just right. get it over with. <laughs> Basically. And they're just like, uh-huh. So I want to segue this right into my MVP. Okay. Who is... Leo D'Amato. Deputy Sheriff Leo D'Amato. I was going to say, yeah. I have a feeling this is going into Leo. Okay, please um, present your case. And because he, so he was very mature about the breakup. Yes. Um, I think he did. He was a, bummed. He was bummed. He was he was a little heartbroken, but uh, that's. He probably the, thought it was a little weird, too. In the back of his head, he was like, I am technically dating a teenager. Right. <laughs> He's like, well, that's an easy way out. I mean, she's in high school. Like, and it's not even like she's going to graduate in a month. She's still got another year of high school. Yeah, she's a junior in high school. Yeah, exactly. Crunchy. <sighs> so, but I mean, he handles it really well, and he still comes in, and he's the big hero at the end. And it, ultimately, it was thanks to his help that he saved lots of dogs. And I don't know. I I think there, every every step he took in this episode was uh, a positive a positive move on his part. I hope that was your MVP. No, he actually I wasn't even in like the hemisphere. Got it. <laughs> of what it would be? Uh, my MVP is Mandy. Yeah. One because we both love dogs. Yeah. So much that we would destroy anybody that hurt them. Uh-huh. But two, I really like the growth that she has. It's it's a subtle one. And it is a little bit like they position it. So it's kind of an extreme journey that she makes. But I do feel like, you know, going back to your discussion of how she internalizes a lot of things, a lot of negativity is expressed towards her in terms of teasing and and you get the sense that that was something that was happening long before uh-huh. this episode even yeah. aired right she, people are sticking stuff on her back they're laughing about her in the halls this kid Lenny's giving her shit about having like a one-sided crush on him which is harmless as long as she was expecting anything out of right. it but you know she's she's been going through this for who knows how long I mean she's in high school but this could stuff I mean, thinking about some of the kids that I went to school with and some of the stuff that I endured, like teasing is not something that just happens. Like it's just, especially when you go to the school with the same people growing up, it's just the stuff that kind of like sticks with you. Mm -hmm. And she kind of does have a breaking point. I mean, and and it's, it's emotionally triggered, right? By the, she thinks her dog has died and gets this hope again that maybe he's alive. And then the crushing despair of like, he's not in this room. And she goes out and does exactly what Veronica says is like, not necessarily demanding respect, but demanding answers and to to unleash herself like that. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's something that she continues to do and that she <laughs> attack people in the hallway. With, no, but with like tasers. to stand, like to not put up with people's bullshit, right. you know, and not put up with their their teasing. And so I think that there's a real potential that we see with her there. That hopefully, you know, she's been reunited with her dog. Hopefully, she won't chain him up in people's yards again. I don't think that is happening again. Oh, yeah, no. And I think that there's some real potential for growth there. So I hope that that's something that happens. But for her, I just really, I think, resonated with her story, both on a like a social level and a love for dogs level. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have to represent our demographic yeah. and, and of the awkward <laughs> dog owners and nominate her as the most valuable pirate. Fair enough. All right, well, that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. 
If you're enjoying the show, please consider dropping us a rating and a review. That helps other marshmallows find us. If you'd like to reach out, you can find us on Instagram at Life After Mars Podcast or on Twitter at Life After Mars 09. Hate social? Then you can email us, Life After Mars Podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, marshmallows. Hasta luego. Bye.